What's up, everybody? This is episode 18 with Betty Drummond. I'm not going to do her any justice. Just listen through this podcast. It's amazing. It's inspiring. And so many life lessons that we can all learn from. So please, without any further ado, enjoy Betty Drummond. All right, good. It's going. This is always a sketchy part because I'll get some and then lose some. So the recorder started first right off the bat. That's good. And That's this right. is the very, very first doctor ever on the podcast. So I'm going to let Betty do a little introduction about herself. Well, that's, that's excellent. Um, <laughs> my name is Betty Drummond. I uh, grew up in Texas and have really never uh, gotten out of Texas except for a short stint in California where I met my husband. Um, and I'm 51 years old. I crossed it with Aaron. That's how I met him. And uh, yes, I'm a doctor. I'm a veterinarian. I work on dogs and cats. I know a good bit about horses, but I don't work on horses anymore. Uh, just just the little ones. The little you used to do the big animals. I did when I. That's what I trained for was horses oh. and cattle. And then when I got out of vet school, uh, my husband was about to start law school, and we had two kids, two young kids, and it was easier to work in a clinic with small animals instead of being in emergency calls. In a pasture somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've had to meet a guy in a pasture before for yeah. some cows. And I, I yeah. loved horse work. I absolutely loved it. Um, but the dogs and cats, they're challenging. They're a lot of fun. Cats are like small horses. They're just, really? Yes, they're, they, they're just better medicine through chemistry. <laughs> it's like, and when they, in other words, you have to sedate a lot of them. <laughs> and uh, 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 when, when a horse or a cat says, we're done, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. They're, you're finished. Are they? you're, you're done. Yeah. I mean, you either have to knock them out or just wait. That's <laughs> funny that horses day. and cats are the same thing. They're very much the same. Huh. Yeah. Because yeah. cats are more like an apex predator. Right. But in the situation where they are. But they're little vic- now. Right. And, well, and cats are all, they're all weapons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, they'll turn into Wolverine in just a heartbeat. Yeah. Boing! You're just like, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you I, can go back in your box and cool off. That's what I said. The only difference between a, a big cat that's hunting you, like a mountain lion, and a little cat is the weapons are smaller. That's it. Yes, and they can do a tremendous amount of damage. <laughs> I don't hesitate to, to uh, sedate if we need to sedate, but you can you can cajole most cats as long as you really limit your exam. We were uh, at the Memorial Day uh, vegan festival, and my mom used to watch the uh, the guy that trains cats. I forgot he's bald and he's like got a shaved head. That's about he's shaved head, got all these piercings, uh, some tattoos. Always carries around a guitar case. He was on TV, so some reality show where he would go and like, it was like the, the dog whisperer, but he was for cats. I was like, oh. I don't know how true that is because I don't know how trainable that cat is. Well, I don't know. There, there. I have met people who are amazing with cats. No, I've never worked around the big cats. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I really don't. No, know he does little cats. Oh, look, it, it's amazing. I've seen people that you just respect because cats cats just know they know yeah. oh you speak my language i always <laughs> say cats are psychic they sure seem to be. i don't speak their language but i do a fair job I, do a fair I, job. I do a fair job cats seem to get that i'm okay even though i'm gonna probably 
sticks on the Sticks on, and they're like, I don't like this place. They, yeah, Whatever yeah. suit walks to the door, it's going to poke me. <laughs> I remember I actually, this. I actually don't wear my white um, doctor coat anymore. Oh, nice. Yeah, animals have white coat syndrome too. They, they get anxious just like people That's do. That's funny. Blood pressure goes up, the heart rate goes up. Um, <laughs> don't walk into a rock, room with a rock while wearing it. Dr. Coke. <laughs> oh, that makes them very nervous. <laughs> oh, well, how long have you been a, a vet? See, I graduated from vet school at Texas A&M um, <laughs> in 2000. So, 18 years. 18 years. 18 years. Huh. And I, I started late. I mean, if you figure, look at my age and whatnot, I, I turned 30 my first year of vet school. And so, most of my classmates are significantly younger than I was about to say what what is the normal age for you to graduate from vet school I most people will start vet school maybe 21 22 years of age it's four-year programs so by the time they finish they're maybe 25 26 and me I was 33 I just turned 33 I think so yeah I had almost a decade on some of my classmates wow but uh, I had taken um uh just a Wonderful wandering route. <laughs> <laughs> a wandering route. Wandering route. Because I started undergrad, uh, just like so many people do when I graduated from high school, in Austin. Uh, I actually moved from Austin to College oh. Station. So I grew up with Texas Longhorns. Well, in the town where the Longhorns were. No, I, was, I thought, I mean, I bled burn orange, let me tell you. Oh, I you had to change your whole wardrobe. I did, my entire wardrobe. <laughs> I am the black sheep in the family, that's for sure. The, the, yeah. Everybody else go to UT? UT, oh yes. Oh. Oh yes. Uh-huh. There's a lot of, yeah, a lot of tension. <laughs> Used to be a lot of tension at Thanksgiving, but now we're in the SEC, so it doesn't matter. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay yeah. now, kind of. I mean, maybe for UT, A&M still has... A whole fight song that's all about. I know words. it's weird. It's kind of. It's so weird. I stand different. there and I sing the song and I'm going, "This is strange," <laughs> but okay. <laughs> I just call it historic. Yeah. Move on. A lot of animosity towards the other school. Yeah, but it, it used to be kind of you know fun rivalry. And yeah. Now, like you said, I think there's a lot of animosity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I got into school and, and got basically lost my way. I was making bad grades. I realized I was digging a hole for myself. Just very distracted, and so I actually pulled out of school. Really? So you pulled, like, completely out of school? I what did. did you do then? I withdrew and said, uh, I, when I went to talk to my, um, uh, the, the president of the program, and I said, I clearly need to grow up because I'm wasting my dad's money, and I'm wasting time, and I'm digging a hole, and I never, never get out of it. And uh, so that's essentially, that's what I did. I moved back to Austin and just got a job in uh, so book clerk. I worked for Bookstock and uh, stocked books and paid my own bills and grew up. And then I, but that's what got me out to California. That's how I met my husband. Oh, what part of California did you live in? I, well, my husband's from Poway, which is just outside of San Diego. So gotcha. I lived in yeah. San Diego. I moved, when I moved, I lived in La Jolla and then moved into a little garage apartment in Pacific Beach. That was so much fun. I loved that. So I, at that point, I was an assistant manager at the bookstop and uh, lived a mile and a half from Crystal here. And that was my life. Get up in the morning, head down to the beach, that shake the sand off. That doesn't sound too bad at all. That sounds actually really nice. It was really awesome. I absolutely loved it. But I met my husband, and we were married less than a year after that. 
Oh wow, that's it. That's it was fast. It was yeah. really fast. I, I was know that's not awesome. looking for a relationship. I was like, oh, summer romance, and the next thing I know, we're <laughs> planning a wedding. <laughs> I tried to pick somebody who was totally off type, and uh, it worked out perfectly. <laughs> it worked out perfect. That's perfect. And um, then uh, our firstborn Jesse came along ten months after that. After we got married, people had you math. It was very funny. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. My husband's in a Mormon community, and it's over-expecting. Oh, when's the baby due? We tell them, and they go, oh, congratulations. Oh, they yeah, they count in their head and see, like, yeah. oh, let's see why they got married, maybe. <laughs> exactly. That, that's okay. Yeah, but I, I, it's it's funny that you say that because you hear all the time of these long relationships happening, and then, like, when you meet that person, it's that's it. It's like, yeah. that's the way Kim and I were. It was... Basically, we started hanging out, and my mind was made up. I text, I texted friends. I was like, "Where'd y'all meet?" I think we met there, uh, College Station CrossFit. Really? Yeah. I didn't know. So y'all haven't been together all that we long. Met, so I, I was over there for four years, I guess, and so we knew each other for four years. Our kids actually knew each other before we did because we put them in the same summer camps. Uh-huh. So uh, they actually, but. Um, that's she so used cute. to take like I'd be working out, and she was like, "Hey, I'm going to the bomber game. Do you want me to take the you know the, your kids with him, and I'll drop them back off?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure, that's fine. If you want to, it's up to you." So we kind of we knew each other for a long time, like, and we had all the same mutual friends, Shay and Sarah, and you know all that good stuff. So yeah, and and wasn't even a thought then. She was just a very pretty girl to me at that point. You know, I wasn't looking for anything. Just like Y'all you said, I wasn't looking for anything, and then... Y'all are so great together. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, really great <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah, good people and just a great couple. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, so really when you is. know, you know, or I yeah. guess. I mean, I can only say how it went for me, and it was... I, I, and his mother knew, too. I, I, I swear, she's like, oh, I've got the caterer lined up already. I'm like... Oh, that's why. It was hilarious. Yeah. Oh, okay, drinking. So... <laughs> You said he grew up in a Mormon community. Was yeah. he Mormon? Yep. Oh. He had the, his family joined the church when he was a child. I mean, he was seven, eight years old mm-hmm. uh, when they joined. And so uh, he grew up Mormon. He actually went on. Um, he served a mission in the uh, Rapid City mission, which was actually uh, Rapid City in South Dakota. Uh, and he was a huge missionary. I met him right when he came back from his mission. Whoa. So he had just come off of his mission in December, and we met in February. Started dating in April, engaged in August, and married in January. And then Jesse was born in November. There you go. Oh, a lot of stuff <laughs> happening all And then time. a year later, I said, okay, I'm ready to, to get back to school, and we packed up uh, and moved to Texas. So he was just like, yeah, let's go. Yep, that's exactly right. Just fully supportive of I it. I still swear everything. his mother's never forgiven me but for, take, for <laughs> taking him to Texas. No, he, his mom and I get along really, really well. Uh, we adore one another, but I just, I, I'm, I'm sensitive to that fact. I took her firstborn son to Texas. Yeah, away. She never liked, she lived in Texas for a little while. She didn't like it at all. Oh. So, um, yeah, and then went back, got back into school. He got into school. I went through professional school first, then he went to law school. After wow! So he did it after. So it took him oh, that that took him a good minute. To we we always traded off. That was how we approached raising the kids when we lived in California. 
Uh, when I was pregnant with Jesse, I threw a newspaper route. It was a 420, roughly 420 paper newspaper route. And uh, uh, he was working in a law office and at a bookstore. And um, I'm trying to think, he was working two and three jobs. There was a third job in there. And we, we just passed each other. So, you know, I had the baby. Well, that, feels like, that feels like what we do, too. It was, it was for a while, it was really tough. So, um, he, he'd be with the baby while I was out throwing the route, and he's trying to get some sleep. And Because I went into labor on my route, actually. That was really fun. Oh, that's awesome. That was great. I was like, all right, I hope we're going to do something here, but I still got another 200 papers to deliver. <laughs> Did you finish the papers? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's the best. That was, this is the best story. <laughs> You're like, I'm going into labor. But I got 200 papers. I got 200 papers. That's a lot. 200 houses you got to go throw it? You just throw it out the window of your car? Depending on the the neighborhood. So, like, I had a couple of apartment complexes that I had to get out of the car and deliver those on foot. And then um, some of the neighborhoods I could just throw them. I had a really cool 1976 Corolla that one of the other paper guys sold me when he went and bought a a retired postal truck. Yeah. Or a little, whatever they call those little things. Um. And he had stripped out everything in that Corolla. Just had a driver's seat and the rest of it was plywood. That was an awesome car, man. So I could fit all 420 papers in the car, except on Sundays. I'd make two trips on Sunday. Oh. You have a cannon, huh? To throw all the papers? That was fun. <laughs> this is a San Diego paper, man. That's a big paper. Oh, that's awesome. On, on Sundays, my sister-in-law helped me. We'd use the family van. That was fun. I'd go... I'd go roll all the papers, and leave 200 of them at the, the uh, facility. And then I'd go, I'd load 200, and then I'd go pick Cynthia up. And she'd help me throw the papers. That was a really big paper. And our the last part of our route was a lot of fun. last part of our route was this one that was um, a del- development with just really long uh, streets that were flat. There's not a lot of flat around San Diego. It's lots of and we could we we get the start of Garden Road. I think it was Garden Road. And she'd slide open the side door, and she'd brace her feet, and she'd have the newspapers right there. Sometimes I'd have to kind of lay on the brakes and let the newspapers slide forward so she could yeah. catch up a whole bunch of them. And then we would just I just drive down one side of the street, and we put a William Tell Overture at the beginning of the street. Dun da da dun da da Just start. <laughs> the ways to entertain yourself. We came back from throwing a Sunday route one time, and uh, the radio said, the, we had radio on, and the um, DJ said, oh, well, uh, more about that uh, earthquake later. And we're like, earthquake? Really? Earthquake? Yeah, there was a pretty big earthquake while we were throwing the newspaper. <laughs> we had Whoa. no idea because we were in a moving car. And with live music, and you don't hear even. Yeah, no, we had no okay. idea. And then when I got home, I'd already had the baby. When I got home, we had a couple of aftershocks that were pretty big. Oh. Yeah, but I was so tired. I remember one of them came through, and it rumbled for, like, 30 or 35 seconds. And it was it was one of those shakers as opposed to a roller. And so the bed's shaking like this, and I was like, look at my husband. Like, oh, so that's an earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> he's now got a baby. He's from California, but he's now got a baby. So he's all like this. Worried. What? He's, he's, like, oh, no. he's oh. been through them already. Yeah, so he's all worried because yeah. now all of it, he's a wife and a baby and all that. All, I barely woke up enough to go, uh, no. okay. 
<laughs> that was interesting. I've never been to an earthquake. Never. And you're the first yeah. person that I've talked to in person that actually ran a paper route. Oh. You, it was I, a lot of fun. I, I've seen them. I don't know if they still do them or not at all. Like, I don't know if they still do paper routes. Yeah. I And I don't know. I mean, I, I did that until... I did that until we moved to, to Texas. Um, I, I continued on Because it was... It was fairly lucrative, given that I would have to pay for childcare if I got a job during normal oh, hours, yeah. right? So you made it work. You're like, I'm, I can take my kid to work every single day. Well, he, she, she would just stay with Tony. Oh, I got you. Right. I got so you. it's in the middle of in the, the morning. night, and so yeah. then I would sleep during the day. We just kind of created barricades. So <laughs> she, she'd crawl around, and she'd come over and wake me up so she could nurse. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny the way the morning hours went in our household because my husband had to leave to go to work because he worked all the time. What did he do when he was out in California? He worked, um, he was an ass- like a, a runner, an assistant at a law firm. So runners, oh. they just deliver yeah. papers places and yeah. whatnot. And then in the, so that was like an eight to five job. And then in the evenings he worked at Crown Books. That's what it was. So he'd work until they closed at 10 o'clock at night. And then come home and then we'd tag out because I'd leave for work at to go about the papers. Yeah, you really didn't see each other very much at all. No, we did not. <laughs> we did not. And then we, we kept doing that. When we got here, he worked at Red Lobster for years. So I'm in school during the day. He's at Red Lobster. And then he, when our kids got a little older, he actually taught at the Montessori. So that we, we offset the cost. Our kids went to Montessori. Oh. But yeah. we offset that um, by him working. This is really, this is We didn't have a whole lot of money, you know, so we did that. And then my first two years in vet school, um, you don't get you don't get student loans during the summer because there's no vet school classes in the summer. Mm-hmm. We couldn't afford to keep our kids. So we drove them to California both of those summers and we lived with Tony's family. Which I, they have cousins and they have aunts and uncles and their grandparents. They're so close to them that there's no awkward we're going to visit our grandparents. No. It's just family. It's just family. That's and to this day, these kids save their nickels and dimes because, by golly, they have to go out to California and spend two, three weeks because it's family. I love that. They're adults, and that yeah. it means that much to them to go spend that time. And I think a lot of that goes back to them just being raised there for a couple of summers. Yeah. Well, the, I mean... Obviously, I'm not Mormon or anything, but going to Utah, having quite a few Mormon friends, even growing up, I had so, and they were always such a tight knit, kind hearted, yeah. nice group of people. Very, very and important. I, I mean, I go, I know what I hear about it, and I know, you know, I'm not ever going to be a Mormon, but every single person, I can't knock anything about it no. because they are so kind. They take care of each other. All you said is, uh, they don't push anything on anybody so i i mean i have a lot of respect for it plus utah is near and dear to my heart yeah. so and there's a bunch of them there and they're all super nice yeah. and so uh, i just i have a lot of respect for them because it, uh, it that just speaks to like what i've known about them every single family that i've known is, yeah. is kind of yeah. like that with that value yeah it's and rare it's, it's a real rare thing nowadays it, it sure seems to be and i felt so fortunate to have fallen into that it was really weird how i wound up in california in the first place i was just 
just so random. How did you end up in California then? I was working for Bookstop, and they said, hey, we're going to open a store in San Diego. And I said, oh, well, that seems like fun. That's it. And so I told my parents, hey, I want to do this. And they said, okay. Like, so like, you ended it just, up in San Diego. Yeah, so, so you were going just, to school, and then you ended up out there just on a like. Yeah, because I left oh. school and was supporting myself, and, and it was sort of like I don't have, I didn't have I didn't have children or a significant other. I, I did have a boyfriend at the time, and he actually went with me when we went out there. We took the two cats and the rabbit. That was fun, crossing the desert <laughs> in a rider truck that's <laughs> overheating, and you can't turn on the air conditioner, and you've got the cats and uh, <laughs> the rabbit. And they're <laughs> oh, that was fun. Um, yeah, and, and so it, everything just fell into place very nicely. And apparently I was supposed to go out to California and meet Tommy. Yeah, we always tease Jesse that Jesse just sort of had this assignment. She's looking down at us going, well, there's mom, there's dad. Uh, figure it out. Yeah, here if we you go. you want to make it to earth, you got to figure it out. And uh, that, that, that little soul is like, all right, we need to figure something out. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it, yeah. And then back to, back to A&M, and you go to school first. Yeah, And become exactly. a vet. Mm-hmm. And then... And he did some undergrad in that. He would stuff in classes. Oh, yeah. And then, in, the, uh, in, in any moment that you had free time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he would, he would, he went to school part-time. I was cramming in the hours to try and get through because it was obvious that I had more of a beat on the finish line than he did at yeah. that point. And, and then when I graduated, it became my job to support the family as best I could so that he could, could go to law school. And so he commuted down to Houston... And he went to uh, Texas Southern. Okay. And he spent a good bit of time staying. He'd like commute. He'd go drag on Monday mornings, stay at my mom's house Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, go to class and then come back Friday. So he, we kind of parented split up like that. Which is funny because I could look at the kids and they'd be, you know, giving me trouble. And I'd say, do I have to get your father on the phone? Oh, my gosh. That would work. I'm standing here in person. <laughs> And you're, you're being childish. Of course, they're six. Of course, they're childish. Yeah. <laughs> but I can say, hey, can your father on the phone? Oh, they were so well. <laughs> they very funny. They love their daddy. Absolutely love their daddy. Um, well, how old was he whenever he finished law school then? Uh, let's think about that. Because um, I was, I guess he was somewhere in the neighborhood of, 37, maybe? I think I just would have to think about the years, and I can't get the, the, the that's year still to not terrible. That's still not that bad. No. Uh, for no. all the time in between there, how, like, how old was he when he moved over to California, like, from California here? We got married. He was 23. I was 24. Um, so it was a year later than that. I mean, he was 24, 25 when we moved here. Wow. So, um, yeah. It's just pretty cool you made how you made it all work and the commitment between both of you to like he's coming uh, going away from his family which obviously it means so much to him. You hear like he's you know you're going back there and you've got to go back all the time and their bond and then he's willing to leave like no hesitation just yeah. come over here we're going to vet school in college station so different from San Diego. And it was an adventure. You go through it and then he goes and does his thing. So that's that's just, yeah, it, it's really cool to make because a lot of people will say, 
they don't have time or they can't make it work and they can't do things. And I'm under a different opinion. I, I, I go against the norm, even though and and always working towards it, but very supportive of that. Like, I don't like the word can't. I, I agree. Absolutely agree. I it, And that'll come up. I'll even start to say, I can't. And then I, 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 I actually just, I, I stop, you know, and I talk a lot with my hands. Doesn't come yeah. across on a podcast, but I talk with my oh, hands. Oh, yeah, I wish we and, had, uh, I'm, I am going to get video, and I wish Betty was the first video <laughs> because it, it would be a great, you should have seen, she's already jumped up and like surfed on the chair, I think, once. Very Tom Cruise-esque right it is, there. It is, I, 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 I do the same thing in the rooms with my clients. I, I tend to pantomime what's what's going on. You say, okay, she's got a breast tumor here. And so animated. <laughs> I am. I wonder sometimes what's going through the heads of my technicians who are holding this animal and looking at me like, shut up already. Are we done? Can I stop holding this animal? <laughs> they don't really. I mean, they, they appear to like me. Okay. But um, yeah, so can't is, is a word I, I agree. I don't use, although I'm human, so it does come up in yeah, my head. And then out. I stop and I say, wait, you know, reword that. Yeah, I I started trying to practice saying won't I won't or won't. So if you replace it, you know it puts I the accountability. I, I'm not doing that right now. I, I run yeah. into can't a lot yeah. at the the gym where I I'll say something like I I can't lift this or I can't get this skill, and then I stop and say I haven't gotten this skill yet. <laughs> that's a, yeah. See, that's a good. You way know, to look it's at it. It, it's just I don't know if I can't. I don't have it yet. Yeah, so I don't see I just, how I don't see how you or your husband could have ever had the can't in there. It doesn't even sound like it even was possible with you two. Well, especially not him. I, I tell you, I that man, he had the most optimistic outlook on life. Like he, he always he saw everything as possible. Anything and everything was possible. Anything. I mean, it just it blew my mind. His little body was trying to kill him from the time he was seven. So he lived almost his entire life with type 1 diabetes. So he was insulin dependent from a very young age. And so that his life was spent doing battle with his body. Yeah. And yet nothing slowed him down. Nothing stopped him. Uh, it was inspiring every day. And, and so... I live my life looking at that for me as a role model. I I can do anything. I wake up. I can get out of bed. I've got two legs. Uh, My heart is beating. I am strong. Um, And so when I look around, I think, well, if you need help, I'll help you. Or uh, if y'all want to go do this, and sure, I'll come with you. Uh, I'll I'll make it it work because I've seen the what I thought was maybe impossible at one point in my life, I've seen it possible. Yeah. Man, it was amazing. So incredible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just remember that what I remember, I, I only met him one time or a couple of times actually, but I was up there at the gym and I judged you in the, the open workout oh, uh, right after I joined. Yeah. Saw it off. Yeah. And, and he was up there supporting you and yeah. cheering you on or whatever. So I, I remember meeting him there, but, um, and I was like, it, it made me smile, like, the way the whole setup and the way he watched and he was there, you know. Yeah, was, that's right. That was a redo. I asked yeah. John to show up for that yeah. redo, and that's right. You were there for that, and Tony was there watching me. Yeah. And um, 
that was really that was really cool because it's hard for him even at that point in time to get yeah. out of the house and do much of anything. Well, that's why I said that's yeah. why I, I was. He'd come to the like, gym sometimes, and it just he only came a few times that he was ever really in health enough to do it. And uh, oh my gosh, uh, the guys would set him up with the rower. You know, so he could get he get on the because he wanted to get on the rower oh, that's, that's or really cool. um, uh, jerk blocks, so yeah. he could work on on standing up and holding himself on that one leg, and uh, it was just so cool to see the. Ex- I think of the sawed off as my family. It yeah. really, it really is. They they really do treat people like that. It's not it's not an act. No, it's not no, an act. It's, not it's, an act. It's, it's a it's a real thing. That's why it says that to the max up there on the top. Yep. You know that's. So a lot of people would fake that to sell it, and they don't do that. They don't even tell people why it's there until the wad comes up or whatever. You know, they so. they having that family, the the guys, the, the you know the owners as well as uh, the members, it really got me through the last few years. I just I had no idea that I would enjoy um, lifting weights and being part of a community like this. Yeah. And dis- discovered that I do like this very much, and um, uh, the people are just tremendous. That's, that's how I survived. That's how I survived <laughs> yeah. everything I've been through in the last. Um, few well, years. at that point, he when I met him, he didn't have his like he lost like I guess part of his leg. Yeah, he had a below the knee amputation, okay. and that was secondary to the um, vascular disease. So over time of having um, diabetes, especially if you're if you've had difficulty controlling it, if you've had a lot of high blood sugars, and, mm-hmm. and he was young and dumb. He would admit that he in his twenties, he was young and dumb. <laughs> Gas pedal to the floor. Yeah, he was. Um, so we did a lot of living. Yeah, we did a lot of living, and, yeah. and no regrets where that's concerned. Uh, but the the blood vessels in his body are so damaged. That's what damaged his heart. Ultimately, he died of heart failure. Oh. Uh, but uh, he had circulatory issues and gangrene in yeah. his right it leg. Just, it just happened out of the blue. Like, there wasn't like a, because um, I know you can do all sorts of, you know, my grandma was diabetic and she had, like, she almost lost several, like, both her limbs, yeah. you know, at one point in time. In his case, he had a flash edema episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, his first flash edema episode, he was, and this all comes from, Partially his heart disease and then his hypertension. And so all of that added together, he put on fluid in his lungs very suddenly. Like there's oh, probably fluid there. But, scary. Right. So in the middle of the night, he's going, I can't breathe. And then all of a sudden he's gurgling. So yeah. we're running him to the emergency room and I, we get into the emergency room and he's, he's, he, he, can't, he, he cannot breathe. He cannot breathe. And his eyes are starting to bug out. And then he just passed out. I mean, his, he, he passed out. And the next thing you know, the, the doctor is calling for an emergency tray so she can intubate him. And I, I walked out of the emergency bay and called both my kids and called his mother and let them know. I told the kids, get to the hospital now. Um, one of them was in town, the other one was in Houston. And called his mom and, and I told her that it was I just remember I was crying and said it's bad, and I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's still with us or not. The staff there was amazing. Doctors were amazing. They got him through, but he did end up losing his leg because, you know, 
what they had to do to get him through deprived his extremities of blood flow. Uh-huh. And uh, that this that leg was too damaged already. He had some gangrene in one of his toes, and it just... So they, they had to amputate. But he, he came back from that. <laughs> he did. I mean, he was so tenacious. He's like, well, I'm not going to get a transplant because he'd already had a rejected transplant of a kidney. Wow. And um, he's like, I will get transplanted again. So that means I've got to get moving. I have to move. So he got himself back up and he got himself on an on a, a, a artificial limb and he really worked until the man was still teaching classes. Really? Yeah, up until he passed away. Wow. I remember rolling him into one of his very last classes. It was in December and he passed away in the uh, first week of January. And uh, rolled him into one of his classes. <laughs> he's, he's, he's got his hoodie on. It's pretty cold. And he's all kind of hunkered down in his wheelchair. And, and I, I was like, he just did not look like he felt good. He taught evening classes. And uh, I left it. I took him up to the dais. And helped him up in the... I said, you want to get up in the stool? He said, yeah, yeah, I do. So, okay. So I helped him up into the stool. And uh, I, I sat outside and waited. And when class was over, I went to help him back in his chair and all. And he was so energized from teaching class. He went in really tired. And he came out stoked. Because yet again, he was helping impart... Ed- Information. He was helping people learn, and it just meant the world to him to be able to do that. And he always believed that if he still had breath in his body, then he still had work to do on this earth. And he, he lived every day like that. The man gave and gave and gave. Work ethic, it, it defined him. That's, so I still don't know how I wound up with him because <laughs> I'm going, I'm not deserving. How is it I wound up with this amazing man who I learned so much from? So I feel like... I. I Live every day now, trying to honor, uh, honor his memory. It's honor. such a, a crazy story to hear. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, just the the not the determination, but obviously he had a amazing attitude towards it, where he's not complaining about all of his stuff. He's he's still going and he's teaching and. Oh yeah, it was a, 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 it was incredible. His we had a we didn't have a funeral. We had him cremated, uh, but we held a life celebration for him because because that That's was him. Perfect. He said he goes. He told us a long time ago. He goes. I want to rave. <laughs> like, okay. So we tried to, had to we've had to modify. He's a he's a Southern California punk. I mean, seriously. Oh, that's all. Oh, yeah. Long. Yeah. I mean, his, his, his 16 year old driver's license had, had a oh, mohawk, no. soaked up mohawk. We would have got along so good. <laughs> so, I'm a little punk rock kid. Yeah, he's, I still he's, am. Yeah, he's <laughs> Southern California punk rocker. So, um, so we, we didn't quite do that, but his, his, his brother put together just a fantastic playlist, and that was going the whole time. We had, a, I don't remember how many people showed up at this thing. Um, 150. Just, just dropped in. It was a potluck. I sought off CrossFit, actually closed early, and people came yeah. out. Yeah, I, re- I remember that. That's how I found out he passed away, actually. Because, yeah. I mean, obviously it was there was no announcement. It was kind of hush-hush. And then, uh, I wouldn't say hush-hush, just nobody really said anything. You're right, and, yeah. And, you know, out of respect for you. And then it was, 
they closed down early, and Brian and them said where they were going. I was like, oh, I didn't even know that happened. Yeah, that's that. Like, and the the, the celebration was amazing. He had people. He had worked with at Red Lobster fifteen years ago. Who they all live in Dallas. Seven people <laughs> on a Thursday night drove down from Dallas from a Red Lobster. From Red Lobster, yeah, because they had worked with Red Lobster with him. That's fifteen someone. That speaks. Ago. That's what I said. I said my grandpa. He was this little quiet old man, like little man. He weighed ninety eight pounds. Oh my! He, my grandma kept trying to put weight on him, like insurers and peanut butter sandwiches, everything that she could just to like. And he stayed ninety pounds his whole life, yeah. like that little. And he was very quiet. Uh, his favorite thing to do was go to grocery, like gas stations and buy cigarettes and talk to the gas station attendant and the different ones he liked. Yeah. That is the only thing that he did social that I ever saw, mm-hmm. ever. And when he passed away, we had his funeral, and we just kind of sent out messages or whatever to the people. 700 people at the one in the, in the valley, and then he had to be mar- buried in Corpus. Another 400 people showed up. It was Amazing. the mo- like my eyes it's just no like idea. what? And they I mean people flew from all over the country to to the lives visit that, him, so. that are touched at, it, it it is amazing. Yeah. I think about that when I meet people. I've met people that I maybe I prejudged. I thought, "Oh, well, she's she's awfully cynical and caustic and and then I wind up being stuck in a group project for that person. <laughs> Humbling. <laughs> as you then learn, okay. You know, don't be so judgy, Betty. Yeah. <laughs> and years ago at vet school, I just remember a couple of instances of that. And that happened over and over and over again where you don't know. Everybody has a story. Oh, yeah. Everybody has a story. And you don't know in what way you're going to touch somebody or how they're going to touch you. It's amazing those little those little glancing blows. Like you just meet a person that that and you may never see them again, and yet you take something away. At Tony's life celebration, my sister it was nine thirty, really cold. We had this tremendous cold front come through. Uh, people were freezing at this thing. But at nine thirty at night, the wind is howling. It's very cold. It's dark outside. Most everybody has gone. My sister comes in and says. Betty, I want you to meet Rose. Huh? My sister taking the trash out. She looks outside where we were having this park, parking lot, basically. And there's this girl getting out of an Uber. So the parking lot. He was late. There's a girl getting out of an Uber in this pasture. And she had gone to register for her spring classes. And she had had my husband in uh, as a, an instructor in the fall, but she had sort of bailed in class. She had just stopped coming and took your route. Yeah, there you go. Bailed in class, and she really liked Tony. She really respected Tony, and she felt, in some part of her, like she let him down. And so she went to register, and that's when she found out that night. She found out that he passed away. So she must have gotten on social media or whatever and figured out where we were. She had to come out. That, 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 that was hard to me. do because I didn't even know when I was around. Yeah. And yeah. so she, she came out just to meet me and let us know how much my husband meant to her. Wow. I, I had random people show up at this thing who just 
that you know he just meant so much to me was that's uh, it's really, really uplifting cool. really that's really. why it's a good call of the celebration versus yeah you know they had a rip roaring group playing cards against humanity so they just took tony and put him in the middle of the table oh that is he actually won a hand he <laughs> <laughs> did and jesse's like mom dad just won a hand <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, that is perfect. <laughs> Jesse had you picked up his ashes that. that day, and so we just brought him to the party. And he was there uh, in the middle of the table. I don't know if his mom was too thrilled about that, but, you know, Tony would have thought that was hilarious. But yeah. Oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Funny, funny guy. So how did you transition from that into life now? Like, what were the steps from you've got this person – the bond there between you two is just crazy. It's unimaginable for some people. They dream of it, you know. Yeah. It's a, it's a yeah. very much like a fairy tale fairy tale type story, but something movie esque. Yeah. You know, you're working all these jobs, you're making these things happen for your dreams, and then you've got a family, and and then this happens, and then how do you how do you continue on with life after that? Oh. Like what were you, what was your process? It, it, well, it, it's still in progress. Uh, it's still, you know, we're we're not at a year yet. Um, a lot of the first few months, especially, were were spent in absolute recovery. Like I had spent the previous about year and a half solid, not not sleeping. I mean, the, the nights were were horrendously long. There were nights that. I never reached rent. Like it didn't happen because yeah. I'm up over oh, like 10 minutes, five minutes, 15 minutes. What, you know, just because he can't breathe, I've got to adjust the machine. I've got to, it was, it was all night. We couldn't afford to have a nurse come in. So this was my, yeah, all night long. And yeah. then I have to leave for work at six 30 in the morning. And so I would tag team with, um, we had first one daughter came to live with us. And then when the other daughter graduated from, uh, uh school, then she, they tagged out. So I had the girls who would take care of me during the day, and I would pull my team. So I'd gotten, I'd reached a point of just absolute hypervigilance. Any sound, and I'm immediately up. Yeah. And it just, it, it, yeah. I'm very, very jumpy. Yeah. So I get, I, I, compl- I understand PTSD. Obviously, I do not compare myself to somebody who has served in it's a real, it's real. situation. That's just a term for it. But it's a real thing for all sorts yeah. of things. Yeah. Hypervigilance, though, for sure. Yeah. And it's just, you can't relax. You cannot relax. And, uh, you can't really sleep. So a lot of what I went through at first was, it's that, I never read the, 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 the stages of grief and whatnot, but at first there is a, I guess a, a a denial, or 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 at least it's just not real. It just doesn't hit you. No, no, it really it doesn't, doesn't sink in. You're like, no. I've lived my whole life. He's still at the sick. grocery store. <laughs> His is the. I mean, he gets lost easily, so it is believable that he is still at the grocery <laughs> store. He just got confused. Uh, it's 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 the kind of thing he'd do, you know. That's awesome. But I know when he shows up, he'll bring flowers. Yeah, he always oh. did. Always did. I know, yeah. right? You know, I love carnations, so I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of a cheap date where that's concerned. Carnations <laughs> are pretty cheap. Uh, and his mom and I converse about that because it's that's still going on where it's just not quite real. Yeah. So a lot of it was I focused on healing, heal, sleep, 
uh, trying to eat correctly, which I was, I think the only reason I even got through all of that was because I worked very hard to take care of myself and not commit myself to other things. Like I worked, took care of him, ate well, because I ate what he ate, I made his food, um, and then <laughs> I crossfitted. <laughs> that was, I, I, that was a big part of survival for me. And it's also been a big part of recovery for me, staying involved. Yeah, the social aspect of it, yeah. for sure. Being yeah. around the people, I can see that. You know, especially you've got the long commute. I drive a long ways. Like, I drive a lot for work. I'm by myself in the truck yeah. all day long. It drives me, like, I get home and Kim calls it airing. Like, she goes, you're very Aaron right now. And that, <laughs> that is a sign for, like, I'm here and I'm trying to be here and I'm responding but my mind is not kicking on all, like there's a cylinder that's not going right because it's been in work mode the whole time and I have to live almost through my imagination. So the drives really do that to you. They do. And so now you've got to deal with that issue, driving. So you have a lot, maybe it's good. Maybe you have a lot of alone time to really ponder some things, but I try to stay distracted. Yeah, I try and stay distracted. And that's that's a lot of what it is. Like people ask me, how are you doing? I'm like, I stay busy. I just stay busy. I'm doing so. I have trouble still being at home. Uh, weekends are very hard. Oh, I bet. Just doing the simplest thing. A few weeks ago, I remember I was doing the laundry. And uh, we, our laundry is, is in the garage. And where it is, it's on a, a little raised area. And so there's a, a, about a two-inch lip that goes down into the garage. And I'm putting the laundry in. And... I thought, I, I just thought, oh, I need to make sure I don't forget to transfer this to the dryer because Tony can't make it out here. And then I just burst into I bawled for the next hour because he's not in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's, but I, I'll go to that. I'll, I'll just. You went to your habit. Yeah. I remember um, not too long after he passed away and I went, it was a Saturday and so we didn't have a community workout. I don't remember why. Uh, and so I just went over to Aggie Land CrossFit. They had one that was free. I was like, whatever. I'll just go because it's a Saturday and it'll give me something to do. Get some movements in. Yeah, exactly right. So yeah. we got done and I started getting in the car. And the first thing I thought was, oh, I need to call Tony and let him know that I'm done and I'm on my way back. And then I sat in the parking lot of Aggie Land CrossFit for about 15 minutes crying. I, I couldn't even see I was crying so hard. So it's... I stay busy. Yeah. Um, I am healing. Uh, I do not know when this will. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how this evolves. I think eventually. Uh, I was talking to Dana, Callie's mom, and she was saying grief. It just changes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go away. You know, people say, "Oh, it'll get better." She goes, "No." I want to throat punch those people. <laughs> it doesn't get better. Yeah. She, she said, no, it, it just gets different. And where you're able to just more compartmentalize it and, and kind of carry it with you instead of having it so overwhelming and in your face all yeah. the time. Yeah. And so I, 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 that's, it's kind of getting a little bit more like that. That uh, one of my, so, uh, if she was basically like my sister growing up, like my best friend's sister, uh, I was at their house, or he was at my house, every single day from the time we were six until 18. I mean, we did everything together. Um, she was murdered by her estranged hus- husband. Locked the kids in his apartment. 
he went over there and shot her. Tried to shoot himself, but that was the second failed attempt at suicide or whatever. And uh, and so it was a pretty traumatic event. And went back down. And I was talking to. I mean, I played softball with his dad until I moved up here. So I mean, we were. I would go over there and eat dinner at their house still, even though my friend was gone. I'm still friends with. I mean, I'm close to their parents. And I was asking him, he goes, don't ask me today or tomorrow or, you know, you can ask me how I'm doing. I'm going to go up and down. Like, ask me like a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. Like, talk to me then because I know that this is going to be something that, you know, because they have to raise a little kid that her kids. And so it's like the grieving process is weird. He was fine while we were sitting there, you know, but he's like. I'm in shock right now. I don't understand what just happened. Like, I do understand, but I don't. Check in with me, like, three years from now. I can't you know? even fathom. I, I, you know, with Tony, he was very, very, very sick. And so we, we knew that, that we were going to lose him at some point. Uh, last Christmas, my younger daughter, so funny, when she was in school, they, uh, cheerleading, they called her the closer. She's just... <laughs> She's there. She's there to work. Let's go. So she's a freshman cheerleader, yeah. and they're like, the closer. The that was closer. a nice story. That's hilarious. Bring in the closer. Yep. Let's go. Walking to the mound. Yeah. Oh, Bring her in. The closer. So um, we were getting ready for Christmas, and she had this vision, essentially, in her mind. This is probably the last Christmas she'd have with her daddy. So she she's looking around the living room like, okay, well, we need a fresh coat of paint, because I'm not putting the Christmas tree up until we paint. We can't paint until I fill in the grooves of the paneling. So th- that's what she did. She filled in the grooves of the paneling. She actually got the, mis- <laughs> the she got the missionaries to help her. Um, oh. To, oh yeah, uh-huh, yeah. She got them to help her. She filled, in, painted everything. She built. She designed and built a mantle for our fireplace, and and, and drilled it into the wall. I mean, it is wow. solid because she wanted to be able to display the the stockings. And she wanted it to be. Perfect. Fire in the fireplace and all of that stuff. It was great. She did a beautiful job. <laughs> and now this year we're going through a lot of a lot of firsts without Tony. We're gonna have Thanksgiving. My sister's actually she surprised me. She's coming down from Nebraska for Thanksgiving. Oh. She and her husband and daughter. Uh, so that we're gonna have a little more surrounded. And then Tony's brother and his wife and their three kids are gonna come out right after Christmas. So now the family's coming to you. That's not that right there is touching. <laughs> That's that really help gives us you try all and the get through this. And yeah. My older daughter, her um, birthday's tomorrow, and this is this is her first birthday without her daddy. So she's she's yeah, really sad. yeah I imagine. Sad. Those two were so close. He was who she called, or like. Something's bothering her. She's upset. She's confused. She's trying to work through a problem. Yeah. Talk to Tony. Talk to Dad. Mommy, not so much. Because because I tend to, I'm, I'm I'm a fixer. I've got to fix. That's what I do for a living. Yeah, that's what you, you that's that's what you. That's what I do for a living. Is I fix things. <laughs> you know, like, so she can't just vent to me. Yeah. Because then I try to fix your, it. Your reaction. I'm. I totally am the same. My first reaction is to solve the problem. Just solve the problem. That's what I. I kind. Of, I don't do it on the same level you do. But, but that's what I do. Yeah. I, I'm there. When people call me, I'm supposed to solve a problem. Yep. Solve exactly. an issue. Figure yep. it out. And all she needs is somebody to just listen to her. Yeah. Let her vent. 
and, and me, I'm trying to fix it. And I, and I know mentally, that's, that's not what she needs, Betty. <laughs> so I try. I'm working on it. I'm really trying hard. You can get better. I've gotten a little better at it, um, but just a little better. I still catch myself, but I, I, just being cognizant of it helps. You know. Yeah, I, I, I think you still so can't too. change your DNA. I mean, that's what you do. I'm you hard. Know? I'm a hardwired healer, man. <laughs> I was destined to be a healer. That's what I do. Even when we, we role-playing games, you know, I'm, I'm always a healer. I'm always a cleric. That's me. That's what I do. Like, yeah, I know what job I have. That's what I do. You know, look, look. Oh, my gosh. You're down to, like, two hit points. Come here. I will fix you. So how would, like, work and everything after that? You just seem so chipper and upbeat, you know, most of the time. And then you've got this foot injury right after that. Or do you remember? That was before. That was before? Yeah. Okay, yeah. it was before. So, so I, you're taking care of him and you have the foot injury. Yeah, I was non-weight bearing for 10 weeks. Yeah. And so trying to work around his his peritoneal dialysis and all the stuff that I had to do, working around the machinery, and I was non-weight bearing, so I had that walker. Yeah. There several times in the middle of the night that I'm, like, in the dark, trying to get around his dialysis machine. It was this, <laughs> It was kind of kind of stressful. And what did you do to your foot? Um, Murph, 2017, I uh, tore some cartilage in the ankle. So it was putting in that, that mile run, and Murph, and oh. uh, the, the ankle had, I had broken the ankle when I was in second grade, and so it was just janky. Gotcha. And so it was a, an OCD lesion, but it was big and nasty and required surgery. Fix. Oh, so they actually the surgeon opened up the joint, actually cut through the bone, opened it up, cleaned it out, put in a cartilage graft, and then he he said he cut open the other side, cut into it at any rate, and tightened up the ligaments on that side so it would oh. be a more solid ankle. Right? Well, there you go. Ah, right. Didn't know that All until brand new machine. All right. I didn't know that until we <laughs> took off the uh, post op surgical you know, the, the the post op cast, and yeah. uh, he's like, oh yeah. I cut this side, too. Oh, oh, check that out. Cool. <laughs> I just, hearing all this story, it explains a lot seeing that because you never got a down moment, even with the ankle pushing through. I remember how, this sounds weird, I get excited to help people like that with, like, that was so cool. I really hurt things or whatever that. because when I broke my foot, I remember Jacob Nichols, Good friend. I still talk to him all the time mm-hmm. and jabber back and forth with him. But he was rock solid there to program for me, to help me through it. And we actually, like, it was really a lot of fun. Yeah. I enjoyed it so you much. You just have to be creative to figure yeah. out what to do. Yeah. yeah. And you can get so, like, somebody warned me about being down and getting depressed whenever you mm-hmm. get injured because you can't move. And I, I never had got to feel it because it was, oh, like... Now it's a different challenge that I get to focus. Like I'm not going to let this bother me, but this is your whole life. I'm I'm excited about one moment that I have, <laughs> and you've got a whole life full of just positivity going from one to the other. To make it work. There's, yeah, there's you just made it work. You, you know, work, you yeah. you hear all of it, and I didn't hear one thing about a negative side to your story. You know, outside of even Tony passing, it's like there's there's a you said something, in, I heard in a podcast the other day, it was with Alex Honnold, and he said something that stuck with me. He's like, I don't want to, you know, I hope people don't live an extreme life because they watch me. I want them to live an intentional life. If somebody yes. lives an intentional life, 
then that would make me proud. Like, because I live my life intentional and he's got a purpose for it. And that's what I hear out of that is there's, it's a very, he lived a very intentional life. So you said he went wild and crazy and redlined. I just hear like, this guy lived life. You said he lived? That's what it sounds like. You know, he went and he taught because he loved teaching. Yeah. And so that's, that's the beauty of the whole thing is he sent his message out and now it's like his example lives on through you, through everybody, through the daughters, you know, that, that example of being intentional in your life is, is yeah, they're, incredible. They're a little, they're a little resentful of our relationship because they're, they're, they're still trying to find guys. They're oh. like, <laughs> <laughs> tell them to quit trying and they'll happen, right? right? You know? They're just like, mom, <laughs> you and dad have the best relationship. Like, yeah, I got him. Sorry, kids. <laughs> Sorry about your luck. <laughs> He's it's a rare find nowadays. You know, it's a you're two rare people that you don't normally run into. So it's it's a pleasure. This has been fun, Betty. I've well, had thank a good time you. talking about it. Thank you. I get to know you a little bit better too. This is nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at the gym, I'm generally out of oxygen, so it's really kind of hard to yeah. talk to anybody. That's the, you know, that's one thing about going into that social setting after the stuff that, uh, some the things that happened in my life that I was like, I'm going to zero. I had always been the person I was at work, outside of work. Um, we grew up in a family business, so when you went home, you talked about work. Like, that's oh, yeah. what... it. Just everything was about work all the time around my family. That's all it was, the conversation at the dinner table. And I didn't know any different. And so when I had a change in lifestyle, I was like, well, I went into the gym and I found a place in the community. And I didn't say a word about it. They didn't say anything. I was able to carry on a conversation, not talking about what I do, mm-hmm. you know, where I grew up, anything, uh, my marital status, you name it. Nothing was brought up. You know, it had everybody guessing and whispering in the corner. But that's the beautiful thing about places like, like Sawed Off yeah. is that you can go in and you can be Betty. Yeah. You're just Betty. You're not. I didn't know you were a vet. Yeah, oh, I, 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 I love it because getting back to the gym after losing Tony was, a, I was a little, I don't, I don't know if nervous is right, but certainly just trying to get on back into my life. And, and people knew, people were sensitive in the sense that I got a lot of hugs, but that was it, which is perfect because with my sensibilities, I don't like to be the center of attention yeah. unless I'm in my job. In which case, I walk into a room and say, "I'm Dr. Drummond, and let's talk about what yeah. needs to be done." But you're over there but to help other people too. I just, yeah. I don't want people like, "Oh, Betty, how are you?" No, mm-hmm. it's wonderful. Nobody fussed. They were just there, like, "Hey, good to see you," or or whatever. It was, it was just very much the right vibe for me. Yeah. Um, I, I like that. I like that. It's a, it's a good family. Yeah. Man, what a story. We're nice. going to have to do round two. This is It'll really be fun. This is really nice. Yeah. If it's, well, at 51, I've done a lot of loot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've got a whole lot more left. Just went to Seattle. Aren't you going to Paris or did you already go? Going to Vegas first. Vegas is this Friday. Okay. For the bachelorette party. Apparently, we're pole dancing and uh, going to the Magic Mike show. Uh oh. Uh huh. Uh-oh. Yeah. Wasn't my choice, but that's what's going to happen. So, Trouble. whatever. There we go. And then Paris is in December. 
Paris is in December. Yeah. So we have a lot of trips lined up. Adventures. I know, the girls and I are just trying to get through this, and we're like, okay, 2019, maybe we can slow down a little bit, because it's all been, this whole year has been a bit discombobulated. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, a lot of traveling. Since my younger daughter works for United, mm-hmm. eh, that helps a little bit. Oh, that helps a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, so we gotta, <laughs> we're, do, we're doing Paris standby. Gotcha. It doesn't matter. As long as you get there. Yeah. It, it does all that matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, go check out. I don't know if you want. Do you want to give your social media out on there or anything? Oh, sure. Your Instagram I, or yeah, my Instagram. I think I'm at all lowercase Betty underscore D. That's my Instagram yeah. account, and that's my pri- that's my primary account. That's what I I live on. Is yeah. it? I love Instagram. I, I tag it on over yeah, my face. I know. But, but uh, Instagram's happy. Yep. Instagram's like, look, I ate a hamburger. I yeah. love Instagram. Like, oh, that's it's usually happy pictures. You're not putting a depressing thing up there. So Yeah, no, yeah. it's not. It's, it's usually enjoyable. It is. It's here's where I went. And, you know, it's travel photos and, and travel stories. And then, of course, I do have my CrossFit and weightlifting stuff that, that comes through as well. But, no, I like that. Yes. Yeah. I don't need a lot of weighty stuff. I just, I need to heal still. Yeah. 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 I like it. All right. Thank you, Aaron.